Oh, hey, girl. It's Tess Rouse and Christina Beattie. We're the co-hosts and creators of Authentically Wild. A podcast that may literally transform your understanding about life, relationships, and your healing journey. So get ready, girl. Shit's about to get wild. As Henry Thoreau stated, we are constantly being invited to be who we are. If this is the case, why do so many of us then ignore the invitation? In today's episode, we are uncovering what it means to speak your truth, why this can feel like such a challenge, and what steps you can take to begin exercising this muscle. Perhaps we will really find out if the truth does indeed set us free. Hello. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I like how I just like bob my head to it. <laughs> I was going to say, I like your little head bob to that one. <laughs> the best. Um, Before we jump in, I want to just make sure that we just take a minute here. You know, if you are listening, if you have been listening for a while, perhaps this is your first time. We can't say enough. Number one, how grateful we are to have you here. And we're grateful to be in your ear sharing beautiful different pieces. We hope that it can be helpful for you on your journey. But also, If you can make sure if this resonates for you, share it, share it to anybody that you feel it can help, whether it's family, friends on your social media, make sure to subscribe so that you're getting all of the new ones that drop. And, you know, the more people that we can get this out to, the more people it can help. So we're Mm -hmm. always so appreciative of everyone who listens and we hope that we can get more to listen. Yes, please. Yeah. I mean, what what better episode to get everyone intrigued than speaking your truth? Yes, I love this topic. Of course you do, because you're good at it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny too, like I was really reflecting on this while I was doing my notes. And for me, it has been more of a process of learning how to be discerning in the truth that I speak. And that yes, maybe it comes easier for me, but as I've grown to know myself and healed through different patterns, speaking my truth or almost projecting my truth is and has been in a way a protective mechanism for me to keep people at a distance. Hmm. And so for me, it's been a journey of learning how to be discerning in what I want to say and what I need to say. Well, it sounds like we have all the bases covered then for today because <laughs> on, until uh, like late, that's been the very opposite of me, um, yeah. not not being able, feeling very debilitated by uh, not being able to voice, you know, my my true feelings or my needs in, in a relationship or an experience, especially with another human being. And so I think that's the the fun parts about the polarity of you and I and, and yes. hopefully those listening, whichever, you know, spot of that spectrum they land, they can get something out of this. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, I really do think it falls somewhere in the middle when it comes to learning how to tap into or step into your power and, and speak and live your truth, not from a place of projecting, but also not from a place of shadow. It's like finding that middle ground of doing Mm -hmm. it in a really empowered embodied way. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I think maybe it's a good opportunity to really talk about like, what do we mean when we say speak your truth? Mm -hmm. Right? Because I mean, there's a very, there's a difference between an opinion and then you speaking like your, your full truth. One way I like to describe it is like, everyone has opinions, everyone's entitled to an opinion, um, but your truth is really how you feel. So if we can really wrap our heads around this idea of abandoning, having to be right about something, mm. uh, and we rather we take full responsibility and accountability for our experience and how we feel and speaking from that place, as opposed to trying to jam our opinion down, down someone's throat. There's a difference there, right? Sort of learning how to be real as opposed to being right yeah yeah and I think as well to to connect to that piece of self-abandonment it's about also I think rewiring these beliefs around thinking that standing in your truth or living in what feels authentic to you is selfish you yeah. know because I think that we are taught or maybe somewhere along the lines we were taught that when we do these things for ourselves, when we stand in these deeper truths that we have, this makes us selfish, but rather it's, it's, it's about seeing that when you do choose yourself, you're able to create this self-trust versus self-abandonment. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, mm -hmm. there's like a million daily choices or opportunities we have to speak our truth, right? Someone says, Hey, what restaurant do you want to go to for lunch? And we're like, Oh, I don't care. Whatever you want. What, what show do you want to watch tonight? Or, you know, what, what are you going to wear like out to our outing? It's always, oh yeah, what, whatever, whatever's easiest, whatever creates less ways, whatever's more convenient for you, rather than just answering the question, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. I think the, in those million little ways during the day, if we can really actually, you know, which I guess some of it's opinion, but some of it's, hey, I truly feel like sushi tonight. I don't feel like pasta, like, right? You know, in voicing, even in those little moments, I think what it what it does is it, it really decreases the, the leap that's required from being authentic to speaking your truth, because you're much closer to it if you continue to practice it in those, in those micro ways every single day. I think the less, like, as you're, as you're talking, the more we self-abandon, that that gap just becomes bigger and bigger, even though in the moment it seems like, oh, well, it's just like one little thing. But if one little thing happens a hundred times a day, day after day after day, eventually you don't have any feelings about <laughs> your truth or your own opinions and people are accustomed to that. Right. Yes. And then they treat you how you teach them to treat you. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought up that piece, of course, because, you know, I, it, this had me really thinking about it, it can be scary to speak these things or to, to live these truths, but you know, if you are listening and this, this is something you struggle with, or there's fear there in doing this, you know, I really want you to think about this piece of when you do learn how to practice this in your day, you know, the extent in which you are able to speak and live your truth is going to be the extent in which you are able to have deep and connective relationships. It's Ooh. right. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be that energy mirrored back to you because yes, it's going to be uncomfortable when we have to say these things or, you know, because then I think we're going to get into this, that, that fear of rejection or whatever. But when you are able to do this, it opens up a door to more vulnerability, to deeper connection, to more openness 
you know, and that's what this is really about, at least for me, it is. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, we'll get into it definitely more in the episode, but when you think about it, if you're not really showing up as who you authentically are, speaking your needs, your truth in relationships specifically, really you're just creating a whole new persona for that person. One that you feel they'll maybe value more, accept, you'll have better belonging with, you know, one that they'll appreciate you more, like you more, but ultimately they don't like you. Yeah, They like the version of you you've created. And so it, I think that's kind of a disservice to ourselves as well as, as to them, because there's a fallacy of a relationship that you've created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe this is also, if you're resonating with this and you're like, where do I even start with this? I would say, do you even know yourself? Do you even know what your truth is? Right. And that's dun, dun. <laughs> start to explore that a little bit. I know I didn't. And I'll get into that in our, our personal examples about mm. delayering back to find that that piece of myself, because so often I think that really leads well into here's the science part, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think so often we lose that sense of self, that sense of what's truth to us in in our early life in in childhood. And I I feel like I probably talk about this on every episode, but I mean, I have immersed myself in the research. You can literally find professors at every top leading university, Stanford, Yale, any thought leader that works in psychology. It is it is like groundbreaking, this research. Like so much of this happens in these early years. And that's why I feel like a broken record about it. Because if you haven't figured it out, you haven't looked at your childhood stuff, like you can't really figure out the rest of the puzzle. You know, and where I wanted to touch on with that is is this basic need of belonging and and how that impacts us being able to speak our truth and show up authentically in these relationships. Um, So one of the fundamental needs as human beings is belonging. We are humans are one of the only species that are born underdeveloped. It's not like a horse that literally comes out and then they just start walking. We literally can't walk. We can't get our own food or water. We can't provide for ourselves. And so, when we're born as babies, we need to attach to a caregiver. We need belonging, right? Because belonging to someone, mom, dad, primary caregiver, ensures that we will be fed, we will have water, (laughs) shelter, safety, all of those things, right? Um, And that's why, you know, childhood attachment and attachment theory is just so vital. But, you know, when a child is rejected or feels rejected or doesn't belong to a parent, that sends basically a signal to our nervous system to our survival systems and puts us into dysregulation because we know without that person we cannot survive it's an innate survival instinct it has nothing to do with a child being needy um any of that stuff you know mark groves actually recently uh, interviewed this lady named amy wong and she gave this analogy that belonging in this context equals life right if we belong to a mother a father it means survival it means life we get food shelter water and so the opposite of that then when we get rejected therefore it severs the connection severs the belonging that equals death and so not in the literal sense obviously but in our survival system as literally this animalistic being we feel if we don't if we are rejected by someone it means we don't get access to food shelter water at least in those early onset years that's what that means to our bodies to our nervous systems 
And so then when you compound that with rejection, so maybe then a child becomes a toddler and then a young, a young child, and they continue to feel that their needs aren't being met by the parent, that rejection, they go into a state of survival thinking, right? It creates beliefs around them about themselves and their nervous system becomes hardwired in that way. And then when we come into situations, maybe as a teenager, or young adult, where we need to speak our truth and say, oh, that that really hurts my feelings or I'm not OK with how you're treating me or whatever it is, or I really want the sushi. We feel that doing that would juxtapose and risk the connection with that person, which has now been hardwired in our brain, that that rejection, that severance of that connection is death. <laughs> like literally right in in a nervous system way that we're speaking but it means loss it means you know bad all the things and so when we're talking about like well why why don't why aren't we just unfiltered little beings right you see kids you know maybe that do have secure connections or kind of before the world gets their hands on them who are just speaking their truth how they really feel and then that gets filtered yeah i mean just listening to all of this, it, it brought up a few different pieces. It really feels like at the core of this, there is a, a protective mechanism that shows up within us. It's like protecting these very, very sacred younger parts of ourselves out of a means of safety, but obviously it's not working for us, right? And I even think of myself where my pattern has been to actually project versus like, like project out maybe what I'm thinking or feeling in, in sometimes in aggressive way, not, not necessarily in like a <laughs> calm or that was always my pattern, but I can see that at the core of this, it was to protect the vulnerable parts of me. Just like in the case where somebody who would be afraid to speak their truth would be protecting the vulnerable parts of themselves. Like, Oh like, yeah. You know, you know, one of the other pieces of it is that one, we fear in some cases speaking out because we don't want to sever the connection, the belonging, which to us is like life, right? Mm. In terms of the survival brain. But the other piece is that compounded, it creates a belief that in order to belong, I have to constantly prove myself. Mm -hmm. I have to constantly prove I'm worthy of belonging to this person, to this relationship. And so, you know, I'd say on the other side of the spectrum, you probably went that way and proving yourself, showing your worth, showing your value probably came through really hammering home whatever oh. you wanted to say. Right? Girl, this was my this was my whole life with men, like relationships with men, my relationship with my dad, right? And spoiler alert, if you didn't realize this yet, we've talked about it in other podcast episodes, but your romantic relationships will emanate in different ways your relationship with your father or your mother, right? And so there's so many similarities between me needing to prove myself to my dad in terms of mm. wanting to be the best at sports, trying to show up in the best way in school, although school was never good at, good for me, thanks due largely to my ADHD, but um, that's a whole other topic. But yeah, like really proving myself. And I can see that this really showed up in so many of my romantic relationships with men. And I mean, I'm really learning about this for the first time and shifting this pattern, but wow, it's so fascinating. So then the other piece I just wanted to share because our, our experiences and the way we've spoken our truth are so polarizingly different, you know, for the people who feel 
like they can't voice their opinion. You know, majority of the time, I think, and I know this in my own life, we hold back on saying something in the moment, especially. And it's not because we think our opinion or our truth is invalid or inaccurate. It's typically because we're concerned with how the other person will think about it and in turn how that will make them think about us Mm. and so a good example i love using is and i've experienced it in both my personal life and my work life is when you're having to give feedback right or someone asks you hey how am i doing or you know you and i do this a lot but we have a a a safe container where we really can show up in that way Uh, but so many people around giving you know whether that's at work feedback or with a friend or a partner it makes them very nervous Mm -hmm. and again it's it's not because we're scared of the impact our sentiments or feedback will have it's that we're scared how that will make that person feel about us which is quite funny right but what a disservice that is to someone if we can't create, you know, exercise that muscle enough to really be truthful about that, because it just perpetuates whatever the scenario is, if that's with a friend in a relationship, if that's between yourself and a coworker, because you've kind of given the green light then, if you can't really summon the strength to speak that truth in that moment, you know, and not put aside, oh, this might confront them a bit and this might be triggering for them, but, my role in this relationship is to mentor, to coach, to be a friend, to be a good partner, right? And so, you know, I think that's like a whole nother bucket of people are just trying to think like, oh, like what's a good example of that? I think that's that's a really good one that we can't just pretend everything's great all the time, but so many of us do it literally all the time in our lives and all those little mini moments throughout the day. But in an acute situation, I think when we're asked to give feedback, that's one I bet you most people could resonate with where they're like, oh, like they just want to filter everything they really want to say, even though they know it's the truth. Um, and so really get, I think, getting clear on why am I feeling this way? Uh, it's not because what I'm saying is invalid or inaccurate. It's because I'm scared of the connection and what it might do to that connection. Mm, yeah. And, and, you know, this also makes me think of how like, you can also see a lot of patterns when you start to look at this stuff. When it does come to you having a hard time in speaking your truth, you will probably start to notice that there are certain people you can and certain people you can't, or maybe it's certain genders that you can and certain genders that you can't, or certain environments that you can Mm. and can't. And again, you know, this is where I love how you and I are can be very polar opposite. It makes me think about how sometimes I'll tell you about something a man has said to me. It's funny how it's always men, but also not (laughs) funny because when you look at my... (laughs) past, it makes sense in terms of like the sexual trauma that I've experienced and also just relationships and all of that. But the boundaries that I can have with women, but that not with men. And then like the opposite for you, right? You'll be like, what? You let him talk to you like that? And I'm like, yeah. And then I'll be like, what? You let her talk to you like that? (laughs) (laughs) And so I say this because, you know, if you're listening, start to see if you can notice patterns because that can be a really cool Yeah. I I mean, I get fascinated by patterns, but um, that can be a really great place to look at it as well. Well, I mean, it's, it's not really a surprise once you really understand, like, again, the childhood psychology piece behind it. I mean, my wounds are with my mom, yours are with your dad. So of course, again, and this is why this stuff is so important, again, to de-layer and really dig at where'd that come from? Because although Christina, 
when you're talking to a guy, whether it's like that guy that blocked you in the parking spot, even like you don't actually care about the connection with this stranger you've never met. For yeah. everyone who wants to, quick story, Christina parked <laughs> in a spot once that was like a reserved spot, really tiny sign. Okay, you needed the microscope. And the guy had the audacity to just block her in with his car and then go about his day. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, like you were able to stand in your truth, but only probably due to you know, the exercise you've done with that and building up that muscle. But that was a bit more sensitive for you because there is a subconscious belief there that I needed belonging to dad, right? And so, and this is just why this this work is so important because you won't even know that you're extra triggered by that because of that experience from, you know, 30 years ago. So it's just, and I mean, the same for me with women. It's like, why is it always way more sensitive and way more like that with women? It's like, oh yeah, of course, because yeah. my whole childhood, I just wanted her to love me, like blah, blah, blah. So it's just, I mean, I'm just not even to laugh about it because it's all serious stuff, but it's, it's just fascinating. Yes. <laughs> And we always need to channel each other's inner, <laughs> inner person when it comes to this. But I love that you brought up that example. I'd actually forgotten about it, but oh boy, was that it's just so interesting how, okay, so this is where you guys really start to notice the things showing up in your life because the universe is always showing you where you are meant to grow and expand. And, you know, if that had happened to someone else who didn't have this wound, it probably would have looked a lot different or you maybe wouldn't have been triggered in the same way. But for me... My wounding is with men, especially men who are like more powerful or abrasive in, in a sense. And this guy fit the bill. And so it's just so, it's so interesting. But this also kind of seg segues us into my first example, which is with my dad. And, you know, for the record, my dad, he wasn't abusive or anything, but he, he has a strong energy and growing up, and I've talked about this a little bit, but growing up, he you know, the, the emotion wasn't as available <laughs> and he also physically wasn't always there because he was working a lot. And so this has been a big area for me with my healing is looking at that relationship and especially how it, it shows up in my romantic relationships with men, dating emotionally unavailable men and being very much used to that. And so it was interesting a little while ago, I got into a bit of a situation with my dad where he was parenting Max on something. And I didn't agree with it. I didn't agree with, with how it was going down. I really have been able to look at my own childhood and see the ways in which I was parented are not the ways that I want to parent my children. I think we're really just growing up with more awareness. And this is a different generation where we're just changing cycles that I don't think our parents were even aware of. But this piece showed up and it really bothered me and it really triggered me. And whereas in the past, what I would have done was very loudly expressed what I felt, probably an aggressive way, in a way that almost pushes people away, that doesn't allow room for conversation or an openness of discussion around it and uh, an openness of here's my part, here's your part. It would have, it's just always been a pushing away, right? It's protective mechanism. But I really had to sit with myself. And I was able to see that there was a much deeper part of me being triggered here, a wounded part of me that didn't feel seen and heard and supported when I was a little girl, when I was younger. And so I was able to see that and hold space for that, but then also tap into this deeper self within me that knew it was right to voice 
my truth on this, but do it in a way that would not have been my old pattern of pushing someone away. It was actually holding space open to bring them in. Hmm. And we were able to have a conversation and we definitely didn't get to a place of agreeing. And my dad said, you know, this is the way I still believe the parenting should be. And he's, he's allowed to have that opinion. I wasn't trying to convince him or prove him otherwise, but I did have to stay very aware of this little younger part of me that was wanting to, because she wanted to convince him like, no, you know, show up in this way that I needed. And so it's just really interesting how when you do have a strong emotional response to something, this is a really good sign that you are being triggered and reacting from a deeper place within you. So it's a wound. And especially when it comes to speaking or not speaking your truth, there's going to be wounds there. And, and when you say though, as well, even though you didn't come to a place of resolve that that still changed something for you energetically, mm. emotionally, in just being able to at least voice your opinion or your truth in that moment that you weren't okay with it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because if anything, in taking the time to be with myself and see the parts that were showing up, this deeper wounded piece within me that ha that had never felt heard or seen, but then also this protector in me that was like wanting to push people away because couldn't trust it. When I was able to bring that deeper self in to still communicate it, but from a place of I'm not trying to convince you, it's just I'm speaking my truth, but we're not pushing you away. There's so much resolve and self-trust built in that. Mm -hmm. And my protector is able to calm down in knowing that I like we've got this. And it's not about convincing that person, but rather speaking our truth. So I think this is so critical because I hear people say a lot, well, there's no point in saying anything because it's not going to change. They're not mm. going to change their belief or change their behavior. So what's the point just causes more conflict. But again, I think in this example, you know, you do such a good job of showing that it, it though continued to create self-trust within yourself, that muscle, so that in other instances, you are able to continue speaking your truth because it is really like the death of a thousand cuts. The moment you stop speaking your truth, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the other people's like stance on it, and if it changes anything, you actually, it's not that nothing happens in that. I think that's what people think, right? If I just don't yeah. say anything, whatever, because nothing's gonna change. No, something does change. It's just within yourself. Yes. It's not for them. It's for you. Exactly. Yeah. And so, right, like we begin to self-abandon. It's self-betrayal, self-deprecation. That's what begins to happen when you don't speak the truth. So I think it, this is your past that if it makes someone else feel uncomfortable, regardless of if they're not going to change their opinion, you say it anyway. I mean, honesty with kindness, right? Yeah. Like not yeah. in, the, in the way that you were able to do it, it sounds like, right? Yeah. Not in the aggressive old version way. Yeah. Um, because or if not, it does do something. It's just with yourself. Yeah, 100%. And you'll probably notice too that the more you hold that space and listen to yourself and speak it not based on an outcome, but because you know each time you're building that foundation of self-trust, you actually won't get triggered as much. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting process because you start to build this like deeper core grounded energy within you that like withstands whatever shows up and almost doesn't even react to it half the time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think in having that that preconceived notion that 
when I speak, other people should change. <laughs> I mean, the, to think that you can control your external environment, the people around you, if you haven't lost that belief already, here's another ticket. Let's give this, give yourself permission to throw that out the window. Yeah. <laughs> because well, when you start clinging to that, you're going to be heavily disappointed. 100%. But I think what's also important there is to recognize that that part of you that wants someone to change, that's not your deeper self. That is a wounded part of you. And she or he, that that younger part of you, needs compassion. It needs support. It needs holding by you. Exactly. And that part of you is actually looking to that person to change to feel safe. So this is about creating that safety within yourself so that that part feels seen and heard within. Well said. <laughs> I gave her a wink there for anybody. By the way, it. we are going to start putting these onto YouTube if anyone wants to see our faces. Maybe this will be a good um, push for us to actually do that. <laughs> yes. Yes. So why don't um, we hear an example from you? Because I know you've got lots of good ones. Yeah, mine's a bit of like a, a story, I guess, that'll lead you guys through. There's definitely some some micro examples sprinkled in there. But, you know, for me, it's such an opposite experience of Christina, where, you know, I had a very different childhood, um, where speaking my truth literally did at sometimes feel um, not not death, but you know, it was definitely there was there was fear there um, for, for me. And so, you know, the reason I was bringing up the piece about belonging and that being such a fundamental need for us as, as children is because it's just so critical on my journey towards speaking my truth. And once I began, you know, really this healing journey in 2021, I really began to, I had to understand, like, how did I get here? How did I, how did I create this life where, like, it wasn't checking the boxes in inside of me, it was checking the boxes for everybody else. And how did I get into these relationship dynamics where, you know, in a way I allowed people to betray me or treat me in, in such an awful way. Mm. Um, and so I really began picking apart my relationships and, and how I was showing up, who it was with, when I would filter myself, all of those things. And I, I realized like I was so far away from speaking my truth that it almost felt like this overwhelming feat to do it. Like it felt like trying to jump over the Grand Canyon or something mm -hmm. like that because I had literally just never done it. Like literally since childhood, I, I created a belief like being quiet would result in like less hurt towards me. Mm. And then I began to carry that forward in relationships because also I wanted to prove myself. I felt, you know, with my mom, I was like, oh, like, why, why don't we have the connection like that? You know, I think every kid wants. And then in elementary school, I mean, I've talked about these examples on other episodes, just not feeling like I really landed with a group of friends. There was definitely a lot of bullying and, you know, verbal things going on. And so I realized like I had to fit in to feel what I thought was belonging, but really it was just me fitting in, fitting into the mold my mom wanted me to, fitting into the mold that these girls that I became friends with wanted me to do. You know, and then and even even in my partnership, like when things would happen where I'd feel, oh, that didn't feel good to me, or I don't like how you're acting and da da da, da. like again, I just continued carrying that same behavior into all those relationships where I wasn't speaking up for myself, telling my truth, telling what I needed. 
And it almost became like an autopilot thing, like not something I was doing consciously either. And so when I began this, this healing journey, I just really began to notice that I was um, doing this and really acclimating myself to maintain connection to anyone. Mm. Like I would, I would do any, everything else would be sacrificed as long as the connection stayed. Right. So my beliefs, my truth, all, all of that began with me being honest, I guess my, my, my change in thought, I guess, where like this healing really began, where I really got real with myself was if me being honest, speaking my truth erodes that connection with someone, then I guess like they're not meant for me and I'm not meant for them either. Right. Yeah. And, and two, they don't actually have a relationship with me. (laughs) If I am not speaking my truth, they have a relationship with the version of me that I created mm-hmm. that I knew that they would like and accept. It's like a hologram of you. <laughs> literally, no, literally. And like I began, as I began analyzing and really like digging into this, I could see it at work when I would do it with friends. I mean, not everyone, there's definitely people I have like really like deep vulnerable connections, but even friends I was really close with, like I've really gotten closer with, like I've really, really like de-layered, I guess, the different layers down to who I really am. Um, And it's funny because like, you know, I used to feel like, oh, yeah, I wondered like how you're able to do it all. And, you know, you're always like the responsible one. And it was like, I actually just really held on to a lot of labels inside. I didn't want to be those things, but I was like, oh, people like that. People accept that I belong then. And even if I didn't want to do something, I would never say that. I'd be like, oh yeah, great. Let's go to every event. Let's host everything for everyone. You know, because I just honestly felt like if I said no, if I said what I really felt, the connection would be lost. And that again, back to that survival thinking and and how our nervous system works inside me. Like I didn't think it consciously, oh God, I'm gonna die. But like the, the overwhelm of feeling my body would get in those moments literally felt like it would rip the rug out from underneath me if that friend was mad at me or that person didn't wanna be in connection with me anymore. Yeah, yeah, cause your nervous system is like alert, alert. This is not yeah. safe. This is not safe. You know, it's very interesting. And you mentioned something there that I want to touch on because you said you started to really realize that the people who, you know, knew you on a deeper level or who came to know you on a deeper level and accept you, like those were your people, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that this is something, this is a part of the journey that I don't think gets talked about enough. It's almost like this limbo space when we begin to step more into our truth. And there is a dying off of some of the relationships or the connections or, and maybe they don't necessarily die off, but they fall away a little bit. And then you start to really build other ones. And I want to just pause in this space for a minute, because what would you say for anyone listening who finds themselves in that space? How did you kind of learn how to navigate that Mm -hmm. when you were stepping more into who you were becoming and learning how to let go of? these maybe Mm -hmm. false connections or connections that weren't as authentic? That's a great question. I mean, I think I'm still, I'm still (laughs) navigating that (laughs) because, you know, as you said, the universe loves to continue showing you areas where you need to grow, but, you know, I'll say two things. The first is that that last piece I mentioned there where I, 
I don't actually have a relationship with someone if I'm not being the true me with them. That's not a relationship with me specifically. It's with the version that I've created, right? And so like life's too short, you know, being a mom, having a career, all these things. Like I don't have time for people who don't want to be with me, right? Like in big capital letters, number one. And I think, you know, just my self-worth and the belief in myself has grown to the point where I truly like I'm going through my life with that filter because I know I'm a kind person. I know I have a lot to offer people. It doesn't mean that some like if I'm not someone's cup of tea, it doesn't mean, oh, well, they have a bad picker or like, you know what I mean? It's just like, okay, well, that's fine. There's lots of fish in the sea, like for friends and whatever. But the second piece, actually, when I was reflecting on, you know, this podcast topic was, again, back to the sense of belonging, like we think as a child, we do, we need somebody to provide us all those things, but that doesn't serve us when we move into adulthood. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I was reflecting back on everything I'd been through, like I've touched on this a bit, but not at length, I was thinking about the other day, for some reason, uh, I've been, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was 14 years old. So it's been like 20 years of, of having that. And before that, like at 13, 12 and 13, I had rheumatoid arthritis for those who don't know wow. what that is. So it's usually a precursor to Crohn's disease. It's all about inflammation within the body. Hello, suppressing trauma. Um, where like my my knee or my elbow and for any of my girlfriends listening that went to high school with me will remember this vividly. But like it would swell to the size of like one of those mini footballs, like of like oh fluid. I'd be like hopping around on crutches. Like I like the principal gave me an elevator key. <laughs> Like it was a constant thing. <laughs> and, you know, I just was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. No big deal. Like, but when I really began like kind of re not reliving, but just revisiting some of those experiences that I went through in childhood with my Crohn's disease and then the arthritis, you know, specifically even like I started counting how many times have I been under general anesthetic or sedated? And for some people, like that's like a once or twice thing in their life. Like maybe they have a C-section, sometimes for their wisdom teeth, maybe like one operation. I mean, to this point in my life, I've been under 15 times. Wow. That, that's a lot. And for anyone who's never been under full like general anesthetic where you go, like you're in a stretcher, they make you sign this paper. And so imagine like being 13, 14, 15, doing this where the doctor says like, so there's a slight chance, you know, like the anesthetic could go wrong. Like basically you may die, so sign your life here. And I just remember like these moments where like my dad and my my stepmom would be like, okay, like we love you. And every single time me feeling like, oh, like this could be it. Like, it's almost like I, there's this small chance, like I'm like facing death, you know what I mean? And like, that was really traumatic for me. And I didn't really realize it until the last couple of months as I began really unpacking that. And I think as I've created that awareness around my story, I've realized like I've survived so much and a lot of that on my own. Like, obviously my dad and my stepmom, like were there for me. But just meaning for most people, you know, even up into their 40s, like they haven't been under anesthetic 15 times. And I'm not saying this to, to be a victim of my experience. I'm saying it to say what it's shown me is that I don't have to belong to anybody. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. Like I don't need, I don't need connection. Do I value relationships? Do I love my partner? Do I love my children? Do I love you? Like, absolutely, but I don't need it. So it's really allowed me to like strip away, I guess this, this need to prove myself all the time, because like, if I can survive that, I can survive anything. When I really began like looking at it, like I really take it as shitty it happened, but also in the same way, like, wow, it's really just proven to me. I I can get through anything. And so I don't need to prove myself to anyone. And so if I'm expanding into this new version of me, that's really not even a new version. It was just always the version of me. I just never had the courage to be. And people don't like that. Well, so fucking be it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it's so, it's, it's such the truth. I mean, even the piece you said how this is a version of you and you were afraid to be it. I would, I would actually say this has always been a part of you, but you've had all of these onion layers and protective mechanisms covering it, you know, and, and that really is the truth. You know, hearing you say that piece around, you don't, you don't need anything or anyone. And it's really about when we learn how to stop outsourcing our safety Mm -hmm. and, we learn how to tap into that within ourselves. It's such a game changer. Yeah. And it's, you know, even that limbo piece you talk about, like when you're going from like, you know, an old version of yourself to a new version, new version of yourself, I would say there is this point in everyone's life between like adolescence and adulthood where we need, it's almost like we need to be taught to do that because we did need belonging and connection in yes. our younger years. We did. And it was survive. It's survive it like in a survival state. It's wired into us to need that. But then something happens where we, we, especially with trauma and like, you know, early childhood experiences, we, we pull that forward, but we don't even know it's running the show yeah. and we don't need it anymore because we are capable of providing food, shelter, water, safety, all those things to ourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and this is where I get fascinated with different cultures, how they have like initiation ceremonies or initiation processes. They do a ceremony around an adolescent girl becoming a woman, teenage boy becoming a man. And there, there are these initiation processes. It reminds me of Rebecca Campbell's work where she talks about, I think it's like the maiden into the mother and the mother into the crone. And these are natural initiations we are meant to go through. And in history, in different cultures, there's actually ceremonies around this. And we've really lost this in our Mm -hmm. society. We've lost these really special initiation ceremonies that we should be having. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, that's a really good point. It's funny. I heard Gwyneth Paltrow the other day on the, her dad or her daddy podcast or whatever it's called. And she said, you know, when you hit 40, it reminds me of like the mother to the crone, maybe. Mm-hmm. She's like, all of a sudden, you just don't care. You are just unfiltered. <laughs> and she's like, no, literally, it's like a switch that just goes off. It just kind of reminds me that like, there are these pivotal moments in our life where I really think we need to, okay, what is still serving me? What is no longer? And you got to start speaking your truth. And there, there are reasons you are not, and they are tied to you continue to, you're continuing to bring programming and, you know, mechanisms that we needed at one phase into a phase where they are no longer required. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm glad we're touching on this. This is actually a nice segue into the other example I was going to do, which was on sharing my spiritual journey. And Mm. I love talking about this piece because I talk to a lot of women, especially where there's shadow around this. And I'm like, thank you, generations of female suppression and the witch trials and all of that. But that's a whole other story. Um, (laughs) But, you know, when I reflect back on my spiritual journey, 
in the beginning, number one, I did definitely experience this shadow and this fear of sharing a lot of what I was going through. And when I would share it, I would get very offended and hurt if somebody blatantly disagreed or projected their own stuff onto me. Like I would take it so personally mm. and you know, this was something that I was getting very passionate about sharing my experiences in the records and my spiritual connection and learning how to channel and all of that good stuff. And I wanted full acceptance around this. I wanted everybody to accept me for it because that allowed me to feel safer. But what I started to notice, and thankfully due to my own healing and being able to see my own wounds and, and my own stuff, was that you know, when, when people are projecting an emotion such as judgment or shame, you know, this is all their own stuff. This is all their own wounding, their own fears within them. And it took me a while to really understand this because I would take it personally. I would, I would think, oh, this has something to do with me. But being able to detach and like step back from this and be able to remind myself that no, this is actually me mirroring to them their own stuff. That was very helpful. But mm -hmm. also being very aware of, and I and I, I share this because I think it might be helpful for anybody who's on their own spiritual journey, maybe experiencing shadow around sharing that or embodying it. Being aware of your audience, like being aware of who you are sharing with what you are sharing and what they can actually comprehend. And this isn't to say that someone is like less smart than another, but it's levels of awareness. It's like speaking different languages. And mm -hmm. you wouldn't, if you spoke French and you went and you were in a room with somebody who spoke Spanish and you started just blabbering on in French, would you get angry or frustrated that they couldn't understand you? No, you would logically think to yourself, we're speaking two different languages here. Of course, they're not understanding me. They must not understand French. You wouldn't mm -hmm. go on and on and on and try to hit it home as hard as you could, thinking they might get it at some point. There is an understanding that you speak two different languages. And so that has been really helpful for me as well as I think it's helped me come to a place of acceptance that certain things some people are not going to get ever, perhaps. And accepting that, it doesn't mean that you don't speak what you're passionate about but I think just being very discerning about the audience that you're speaking it to hmm. as as here we are broadcasting a podcast <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. most people for most people yes <laughs> yeah I, I love that analogy it's almost like you're going in with the awareness of them as well because so many I think times in, in people's lives we just kind of go off thinking everyone has the same beliefs, opinions as we do. But I think, especially when you have to share or you you feel like you want to, even with someone where, you know, their awareness might not be <clears throat> where yours is at, you have to almost like prepare yourself for that. And, and it's kind of like knowing your audience, like you said, right? But I also agree with you on the part, like don't share until you're ready, maybe. You know, I'm sure for you, I, I'm curious, at the beginning when you were figuring it out, whether that was like your interests in cards or whatever it was, you probably kept that pretty close. Like, when did you feel you reached this precipice where you're like, okay, now I'm so confident in like this belief for myself, like I can share it a bit more openly with mm. people. Okay. This is such a great question because 
you're right. You have to be discerning about when you choose to share, when you feel ready. And I'm, I'm a huge believer that I don't think we're ever a hundred percent ready or often we won't feel that, but I, I feel like I always have to be somewhere around like 90%. And then there's usually a bit mm-hmm. of a pushing off because what's going to happen is when you share that thing, there's always going to be a possibility that you won't be received in the way that you're hoping or that somebody will not see what you're saying or understand it, or you might get pushback. And you need to be able to support yourself through that. And if you can't, if you don't believe in yourself enough, or if you don't trust what it is that you're saying enough, then you're actually eroding the self-trust rather than building it. There's that piece again. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, this is such a, such a crucial piece when it comes to this. It's being discerning of the timing of when you choose to share as well and making sure that you back yourself enough so that mm-hmm. when you do receive that energy back, however it shows, you've got yourself no matter what. Yeah. I love that example. A girlfriend of mine even starting a business for herself and she was like, you know, I'm finally stepping out. I'm telling you because like you're a safe person for me to tell, but like I've been actually working at this behind the scenes for a while and I haven't told anybody because I didn't want anyone telling me all their opinions and why it's not going to work. And I wanted to explore it for myself. I was like, wow, that's amazing that you did yeah. that. I think you you took the complete right approach to that. Uh, but it's also making sure you're still speaking your truth or yes. showing up as you are. But it's like the timing, I guess, more than like your audience. It's almost like first filter your audience and then eventually get to the point where you just feel so confident that it actually really doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it makes me think about how you know, lots of different things that I do now that I wouldn't have done in the beginning of my journey because I wasn't fully embodied in that yet. You know, like I Mm. went and sat down on the beach the other night and I laid out a blanket right beside the main boardwalk and there's tons of people just walking back and forth. I laid out a blanket, I lit a candle and I was pulling cards for myself and journaling and playing music. It's a very like, I I would guess vulnerable, (laughs) you know, way of being. I wouldn't have done that a few years ago. I think I would have felt some shadow around that, but I'm just so much more embodied in what I believe in and my practice and my spirituality. But what was interesting was I actually had so many women come up to me mm-hmm. saying, oh, do you do readings? But very whis- like they were whispering. And I was like, <laughs> you can talk louder, girl. <laughs> but you know, if I had forced myself to do something like that in the beginning of my journey, I think I would have only been diminishing that self-trust rather than building it within myself because I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have felt as supported within myself in terms of the response to it. Mm, I think that's so important too, because it's almost coming home to your truth yourself first, creating this like cocoon of safety around it. It's, you know, I think one thing for listeners just to pay attention to, we're not saying, oh, anything you feel at any moment in time, you need to go tell everyone in your circle about, or, hey, start a podcast and tell the world. Uh, But it's, it's like first coming home to your truth yourself or de-layering to make sure like, are you confident in that? Is that aligned with you? And it's almost like you began to do that. And as you did, you built that confidence around it where it didn't matter externally than yeah. what people thought uh, because it was working for you and that's really all that mattered. And then so interesting being a lighthouse like you are, <laughs> right? The right people who really need that are gonna come to you. And that could be on anything, spirituality, a business model, some belief you have, et cetera. But that's yeah. pretty cool. I'm sure that was very validating for you when 
those women came by, like just in that, oh yeah, there are people who do get it or like who oh, share yeah. similar beliefs as I do. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and also just lots of people interested. You could see people were looking and yeah, like that, that's, that's really what it's all about is, you know, we don't necessarily share our truth or live in it. We shouldn't be doing it for anybody but ourselves. Ooh, well said. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's important for our listeners to be like, okay, maybe they're, you know, aggressively speaking their truth like you used to. <laughs> maybe they have just been silent on the, all of their feels, opinions, et cetera, for maybe years or decades like I used to be. Let's talk about, you know, some steps, maybe exercises that they can do to really begin building this muscle. Because speaking your truth, literally look at it as a muscle that yes. you need to build slowly over time. And every time you get an opportunity to do it, especially micro ones, make sure you're monopolizing on it. Because we have to remember that piece, Christine and I brought up a couple times, when you don't do it, it it deteriorates the muscle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Maybe I'll just start with with one really good one. I feel like people probably get asked this six to ten times a day when, you know, and we've created a social convention around and I can't stand it anymore, especially mm. at work. Um, you walk by someone, and they go, Hey Tess, how are you? What do 90% of people respond with? Good, how are you? Oh yeah. <laughs> I love now being like, well, actually, um, you know, the kids had a meltdown today or, oh, I'm fabulous. I'm tan. I just came back from vacation, like really mixing it up, like thinking yes. and stopping for a second because the verbatim good, how are you good? And then we just keep walking. It's awkward. And like, mm. let's just not do that anymore. So, you know, that's a micro opportunity for you to begin really like rooting in and being like, what's true for me right now? Someone asks you, how are you doing? You know, I'm actually kind of tired today. My kids were up all night. Like, you know what I mean? Like really being real. Not that you need to complain. It could be a good thing too. I'm just saying like, don't just verbatim say good. Well, and look at the opportunity for connection in that. Because 100%. I, I bet you someone else is going to be like, oh my God, me too. My kids were up all night. Or it, yes. it just, it opens up a door into just who knows where that could go. Where you see someone for being human, perhaps for the first time. I love that you brought that up because if you're going to speak your truth, like one, obviously do it for yourself, but two, know how much permission it gives others. Mm, yes. Right? I yes. think you probably as well as me, though, like definitely more me. It's more of my wound for me. But <laughs> I get a lot of flack for having a podcast and especially one that Christine and I have where we are vulnerable and open, but I began obviously doing this in my personal relationships too, really speaking my mind. But I know that me coming on here and saying these examples of things that I've been through also allows other people one to see themselves in my story, but also gives them permission, not necessarily to go and broadcast it to the world, but then to do it in their personal lives. So mm. maybe that one interaction, like you just said, gives that person that bit of permission they need for the, this bigger conversation that they're going to have that night or that week. Yes. Well, and okay. So a couple things come up there and it's perfect. Cause it segues into the next piece. Yes, this is more of a wound for you, but I would also be willing to bet that the reason why you catch more flack for this is because there are certain dynamics in your relationships that are set up in a way to hold your not truth telling. And so now that you are telling your truth, that rocks the boat of that relationship with that person because on a deeper level, they're like, wait, this isn't what we do here. And 100%. so that <laughs> triggers them. And 
So this is another piece to help you here, like to, for anyone listening is remind yourself that everyone is living their own reality through their own lens. Okay. And if they're getting triggered by your truth, that is their stuff. Really try to like set a reminder on your phone, right? Mm -hmm. Try to just remind yourself of that on the daily. Like we are here to be teachers for each other. And if someone is getting triggered, it is not you on a deeper level. It is their stuff showing up. I actually get really excited about this stuff. When someone is getting triggered, that is great because that is an opportunity for them to be able to look at what is showing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Such a good reminder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one's a doozy. (laughs) (laughs) And don't get me wrong, like that's still hard to remember, especially when it's somebody that you have a core relationship with that it's like, oh. Okay. Well, and I think that that's so funny because that segues into even one of the ones I wanted to say is, is don't continue creating the false persona of who you are. Mm. Because like what you said, every time you do it, you create a false sense of who you are that others believe you are. And then it's kind of like, again, jumping over the Grand Canyon, right? And then you, even even within yourself, I know I felt this in my life where eventually you almost feel like you got to play along. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm the calm friend. I'm the responsible one. I'm the you know, planner, I bring everyone together. You never get to surrender to that role if if you constantly play it in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So I think taking those micro opportunities to come into more alignment with with who you who you really are. Yeah. Um, is is so important so that the gap doesn't feel so big. Mm. <laughs> and and I think to help lessen that gap, keeping in mind that no is the most powerful word you can use. It's the strongest boundary you can create. But if no feels like a word that is too hard to say, you could even say a version of it. So let's say somebody asks you to hang out and on a deeper level, you either don't want to, or you don't think it works or whatever. Maybe no feels too hard to do. You can always say, I'm going to get back to you on that. That gives you Mm -hmm. time. That gives you space. And then you can come back with no, but give yourself time and space. Yes. Yeah, that's such a good one. I heard, I think Mel Robson talked about that once, given mm-hmm. saying that I have to get back to you and then being like, you know, I've looked at my calendar, but unfortunately I'm just feeling a little bit overwhelmed this week. So I'm not going to be able to attend. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Whereas I'd be like, no, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, I wouldn't. Exactly. <laughs> yes, you would. Yes, you would say that. <laughs> I'm always for listeners. Christina sometimes will send me um, like screenshots of conversations she has where she's put in boundaries because it's very expanding for me. And sometimes like my jaw drops the public. Like, you said that? Not because she was being aggressive, but because it's so far from like where I'm even at today. Like I'm like, wow, it's expanding. Like, okay, if Christina didn't get slaughtered for saying that, I guess I can begin. <laughs> Yes, but I'm still learning how to be a bit more gentle in my approach. And that's yes. where you expand me. So it's funny. Exactly. Um, the last one I just wanted to touch on because this also gets asked and we sort of alluded to it in the beginning. But when someone asks you your preference for something, try actually leading with a suggestion. Mm. So rather than, oh, whatever you want, I don't care, I'm easy. Uh, <laughs> actually say, I'd I'd prefer to go to whatever it is Mm. but the pub tonight as opposed to this did you have an opinion as well like you can be open to someone else's but by just always sort of laying over for people you're not voicing your truth and that's that's a non-combative opportunity to do it they are asking you 
right? But don't you find that so many people? Okay. Like, oh no, whatever, whatever you want, whatever you want. I'm easy. Hey, what kind of pizza do you want? Whatever. Well, it's not whatever. There's a hundred kinds. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard because you're reminding me I was on a date the other night. Okay, so for anyone who's listening, I've entered into the dating world for the first time and this is crazy. We should we should do an episode on that. I'll <laughs> oh narrate. <my> <laughs> and we were on this date and we were going for a walk and like going for a walk down the boardwalk or whatever. And he was like, Hey, which way do you want to go? And I'm like, Oh, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, do not answer like that. <laughs> Next kidding. time I'm going to be like, we're going right and then we're going left. No. <laughs> it's just funny. And just meaning that like, you know, don't say that you don't care. Like, I mean, there's definitely right. moments in time where you're going to say whatever, it doesn't matter. But you do care. Like you do probably have an opinion and honor yourself because that, again, I'm just using this as, as an example because it's an easy one to really begin building that muscle. And when you do that, when you're able to say, yeah, I want to go right, or I would like pepperoni, mm. slowly begins to exercise that muscle. And then you prepare yourself for the bigger conversations where you need to speak your truth right if you can't do it in those micro examples good luck doing it when it's a you know tumultuous issue that you're having to conversate with someone on yeah I mean it's funny though as like a side note it does make me think that maybe this also has to do with my ADHD because decision making is very exhausting for me and so I think sometimes I just disassociate from making decisions I'm like yeah mm. eh, whatever yeah hey, whatever and like you know even you and I when we go on like little trips or whatever I'm kind of just like laissez-faire I go with the flow it doesn't matter whereas <laughs> Tess is like the ultimate planner and that sounds exhausting to me <laughs> I would ask you is it exhausting because you're having to consider everyone else's needs and wants or because just you have so many ideas that you can't pick one? Oh, it's because I'm having to think of everybody else. That feels like so much work, having to like take into account everybody else's needs. And and so yeah. I just... But I would say like, again, in this micro example, when someone says, what kind of pizza do you want? Only think about what you want. And then if someone, again, this this is a good example, actually, this is like ping pong. If someone says, oh, you're like, I want the shrimp pizza. And someone's like, oh, I'm actually allergic to shrimp. Okay. <laughs> well, now they have voiced their truth to say, oh, they're allergic to shrimp. Okay. So now what else would I like instead of shrimp? Right. But instead, I think sometimes we exhaust ourselves or we just refuse even speaking our truth because we don't even want to have to get into that. But you actually don't have to. Like, you know what I mean? That will come out in the conversation if both parties can equally speak their truth. But I think we ultimately leave it to ourselves right off the get go to have to think of all the things, all the intricacies of who likes what, who's coming where, right? Like when it comes to decision making. So I think if you can offload that, you might find it a bit easier to reach in and, and speak on those micro pieces. Mm, this is going to be some good practice for me. I'm going to ask you, what are you having for dinner tonight? <laughs> the only other thing I was going to say was, you know, when it comes to big decisions, you're sitting with something and you're trying to figure out like, how do you speak that piece or how do you like figure out what's even going on within you? Start writing and mm -hmm. you don't have to do this in a special way. You don't have to have a specific process. Literally just write what you are experiencing, what is showing up for you what you are feeling, what you are needing. Mm -hmm. And just getting that out, number one, build, build self-trust because you are showing up for yourself. You are listening. You are holding space. And then you can 
choose what you want to do with that. But I would say, get it out, get it somewhere so that you can look at it and see it. Yeah. Give yourself the time and space. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In a safe container with yourself (laughs) and your journal, maybe. (laughs) Yep. I love that. Okay. Well, and maybe just one more reminder, if you liked this episode, please screenshot it, post it to your social media, get the word out so that more people, women especially, can can hear what we're chatting about and hopefully find some value in it, like I'm hoping all of you listeners did today. Mm-hmm. And we want to thank you guys for joining us. And if you need to get a hold of Tess or I, or you want to just talk about the podcast or have any questions, you can reach Tess at her unearthed on both instagram and tiktok as well as you can reach myself christina at christina.soulempowered on tiktok and instagram we hope you guys have a great day and bye everybody see you soon bye